0: Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Verse
1: 7 at verse seven and 8, when we skip to verse 8, he says, I know your deeds have placed before you an open door that no man can shut. And, and when we look at uh, the open door, what we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about boundless, endless opportunities to be people of blessing, to be people of significance, to be people who see the world with different eyes, see the world through the lens of possibility. People who don't live in the Valley of Acor, but live with uh, going through the door of hope. Okay, That's exactly what we're talking about. And we started this whole thing off looking at the resurrection, because the resurrection is what launched all of the earth and all of the cosmos into a whole new phase into a whole new reality because when Jesus when Jesus got up from death, from the grave, when he rose to life and, and his, his, his body was assembled back together and he walked out of that tomb, it was as if the father set before Jesus an open door and say, as you walk out of this tomb, death will never be able to hold you down. Pain and sickness will never be able to hold you down. But I have made you to be a person and to announce this new way of life that living in the kingdom is about announcing life in every step and in every breath. And that's exactly what we're learning to do and what we're learning to become. And it's something we have to train ourselves to do. Because we know that culturally, that is not what we're trained to do. We're trained to see problems, right? We're, we're trained to pay attention to what, what is going wrong that I need to be freaked out about today, right? That is what we wake up every day to, and that's what we go to bed to, and that's what we talk about in between those two is 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 what possibly could go wrong next. But that's not the way of the kingdom. That's not the way of resurrection. The way of resurrection is how do we take the pain and the death and the sickness and harness it and leverage it into the life and the spirit of God, translate it into something beautiful and good for the world to see, the true nature of our God. And that's something we get to do. It's a lifestyle we're invited into, okay? And so it, it matters. It's, it, it matters because it's it's a new way to live. Now, we've talked about a lot of different facets of what it looks like to recognize open doors, doors that are inside of us that God invites us to walk through, doors of opportunity on the outside that maybe even look uncertain. Uh, maybe uh, we can see exactly what they'll lead to, and, and sometimes, uh, sometimes we resist them because we don't want change. We talked about that the last couple of weeks, but I just want to finish up with a few thoughts today. I think it's going to be fun. What we're talking about is living in permission. And uh, do you guys know that God is a God who is on the move and he is on a mission? Okay? I need you to do a little better than that. All right? Yes. This is going to be a really rough 20 minutes. All right? if That's all I'm getting from you today. God is on the move and he's on a mission. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have to remember that this is the nature of God. That God is ascending God. Okay? The Father sent the Son, Jesus. That Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. Right? And then the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in full force send you and I, the Church of Jesus Christ. Okay? The Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit. And all three of them, we get the full package deal, send the Church, all right? So He sends us out. We were designed, we were meant to be a people on the move, to be, to be sent by God. We are the called out people of God, sent by Him, commissioned by Him. And that's where we go to the Great Commission, and I want to read this here. Uh, we know this passage in the end of the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus resurrects, as Jesus is, is announcing kind of some final words to his disciples and inviting them into his mission on earth and to be a people of movement. I just want to read this, Matthew twenty eight eighteen. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, So stay where you are and make your life comfortable. Be suspicious of any risk-taking opportunities that involve blessing others in great ways. You're only one bad decision away from screwing this whole thing up for the rest of us. And if you do, you're on your own. All right? Now, if you didn't know any better... Some of us, that might look, based on the way we live our lives, that might look like what we read as Jesus' great commission. But his great commission, we know, is not that. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you until the very end of the age. And what this shows us, what this movement of Jesus shows us and this commissioning of Jesus shows us is that the default in the kingdom of God is movement, all right? Which means that in the kingdom of God, the lights are green until he turns them red. In the kingdom of God, our default is not to stay, it's to go, okay? So the question that we all have to face and ask ourselves even here today, if we are the sent people of God, who have we been sent to? If we are a people on the move, where are we moving? Where is the movement in my life? Where are the open doors that I'm opening up and walking through fearlessly? Because I know I am on mission with God to announce His goodness to all creation. Okay? Are we preaching? Okay. And so in the kingdom of God, we have to understand and change the way we think. That the lights are green. The road is open. Until God says, until God brings something to redirect us or to close that door, which he often does, we have to understand that our default is to go. And that makes a lot of sense because some of us, when we're confronted with open doors, our first default is to stay and to wait and to pray. So an opportunity opens up to do something great, to be irrationally generous towards somebody who's in need. You don't need to stay and to wait and to pray until God gives you the green light. The green light is to go and be a blessing unless he redirects you somewhere else, okay? Your default is to look for opportunities and when God presents you an open door, to say yes. Now, we're going to get to what that means in a little bit and actually ways to navigate that. But our default in the kingdom of God is a green light. Now, what makes this hard is this. We know that not every open door is necessarily from God in our life, right? We know that any, when we come into a, a door of opportunity for, for, for a major change in life or even the way we navigate our life, maybe it's changing jobs or marrying that person or definitely not marrying that person or whoever, you know, or, or, or quitting our jobs or moving across the country, the major things that we kind of walk through, we know that not every open door is necessarily from God. We read in Proverbs 16.25, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it's And its end is the way to death, okay? So that creates a little bit of a problem because if if we have open doors in the kingdom of God, but then some open doors actually lead to death, then how do I know which ones are from God and which ones are? What if I choose the wrong door, right? And that's a big question. What if I go through a door that's not from God, okay? And this is sometimes, this is what I want to look at just for a second here. Sometimes for us, even in the church, even in the kingdom, We see life as a series of option A and option B, of doors that are set before us, and I can choose this door, and this is God's perfect will for my life, but if I choose the other door, it's going to lead to destruction and misery, right? Now, sometimes it does lead to destruction and misery, all right, but sometimes we view all decisions as if it's option A and option B. If I choose this one, then I'm going to be doing what God wants. If I choose this one, it's not what God wants, right? And then we have this view of our lives that all of life is basically trying to choose God's will more times than we didn't choose God's will. And when we get to heaven, he's going to evaluate us statistically on how often we nailed God's will or not. And we're going to be rewarded based on how, 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 how much we really paid attention. And the thing is about this, a couple things. First of all, most of the time, it's not door one or door two. It's door 14, right? Right? It's The door is actually, if you go down the hallway around the corner and you go make a left and you're going to see this door, you go through one door and you'll find another door in the middle of that one. That's how it works a lot of times. It has to do with discerning, God, what are you doing here? Sometimes it's not this or that, it's something completely other. But here's the second thing we have to understand. Choosing the wrong door, listen to me, choosing the wrong door, and this will happen to us, choosing the wrong door does not put you into plan B for your life. okay? Choosing the wrong door does not bring you into plan B for your life. If that were the case, all of us would be on plan B. Some of us on plan W, right? <laughs> Double M, you know? I mean, we'd be so far down the list. If choo- maybe making the wrong choice or making an error in our judgment or, uh, or, or falsely discerning a door of opportunity that maybe wasn't from God, if that was to throw us off course, then all of us would be in the same thing. Now, not, I want you to hear me. What I'm saying is not promoting this idea of fatalism Which is the idea that everything happens for a reason, and anything that happens is okay because God is going to be there. That's not what I'm saying. Not everything that's happening on earth is God's will. Not everything that's happening in your life is His perfect will. Not everything that's been taken for you has happened to you, and the things that you've taken from somebody else and you've done affected somebody else. Not all of those are God's will. But here's here's what we're getting at. uh, Here's what we're looking at today. When we make a bad decision and then realize it was a bad decision. We don't get diverted into an alternative universe permanently in God's secondary plan for our life. No matter what door we go through, God has the ability to reroute us into a new story that speaks for His glory. Romans 8.28 says, And now we know those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Which means what? Maybe not everything is directly, everything is God's reason or God's will. Yeah, God has a highest will when it comes to certain things. That's why we grow up in discernment. But when we make bad decisions, when we take a risk and it doesn't pan out, that does not mean we are permanently on this sidetrack going way off into the distance and and God's wishing, man, I wish you just stayed on the thing. I wish you just heard me right. That's not what's happening. God actually creates a new route and he reroutes us back into his story, into his glory, because that's what he does. He's a God of redemption. There is no bad route in the kingdom of God because he has a way of turning it around for his glory and for our good. And some of you need to know that, especially you mothers, need to know that on behalf of your kids... That are not choosing the right door. And you need to know that they are not left alone. And their life will not be destroyed. But God listens to your prayers because your prayers are effective. Because you are righteous in Him. Do not be dragged into this pit of worrying about your kids. Because they are His kids to you. Alright? He loves them. What I love about this picture though. Is... It really shows us the heart of God as we're navigating very important things, this life of discovery with God. And really what it is, it's a lot more like a GPS. Anybody uh, get anywhere by GPS um, on your phone, right? Does anybody remember maps, like actual paper maps? Yeah, me neither. Me neither, right? I don't even remember them. You know, I don't even know what we, what were we doing, unfolding like these huge things. How dangerous is that? This wall of paper the size of your windshield. I mean, how are you? How did anybody do? You have to like get out a compass, and you know, before you go on a road trip, you're like have a whole table full of paper, and you're trying to like draw like highlighters and. Pe- Dude, what a terrible way to navigate, right? You just tell your phone now, Siri, take me here, go, right? I love that, but you know what's even better? When you make a wrong turn, right, and you get off. And, you know, the series trying to get you where you're supposed to be going, right? One quarter mile, take a right. And 300 feet, turn right. 125 feet, you're going to want to take a right. Get ready to take a right. Turn right, right now, right? (laughs) Rerouting, right? And one mile, take a right. (laughs) One mile, do a U-turn. But what I love about Siri, can we just be honest? This is confessional. I love this. That she never yells at me, right? (laughs) I may have other people in the car yelling at me. In fact, most of the time, they know if I got the turn wrong or right, right? Not Siri. She just calculates where I am if I missed it. She says, all right, rerouting. Finding an alternate route for you to get to where you're going. Now, it might take longer, right? It might involve a U-turn at some point. we turn around and do something different. It might be humbling or disappointing for a little bit. But we have to understand, in a similar way, the promise of the Holy Spirit given to us to lead us and to guide us into all truth means that with whatever season we find ourselves in, He makes himself readily apparent to us to lead us and to navigate us. And even if, yeah, maybe our life took a little bit of a detour, he'll either get us back on track or he's going to invent an entirely new journey based on that decision to lead to another story of power and glory and a testimony to his name. Do you guys understand? I'm not saying it's not filled with pain and disappointment sometimes, but we are never outside of the rerouting of God in any moment. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what's even better? When your phone says this. In that next photo? There's a faster route now available. Yes. That happens sometimes. So, the Lord can always take what was meant for bad and turn it into good. Craig Rochelle, said it, Craig Rochelle said it like this. If you're not dead, you're not done. Yeah. Part of living and permission is the fact that the Lord doesn't always stop us from making the wrong choice. Okay? Because parents don't stop their kids from making the wrong choice. Maybe for the first couple years, absolutely. Right? My little toddler. Yeah, I'm going to tell him what to do and when to do it. Almost every time. Right? But as my older son is getting older, I'm letting him make some decisions. And parents, good parenting, I believe, is not getting your kids to be a robot. And you know this, you good parents here. It's not about getting your kids to just do what you do. It's teaching them how to make wise decisions. So giving them an option and even allowing them to make a mistake so that they can learn and become mature. Not that, not that you would intentionally hurt them or something that would be painful in their life, but there's times that we allow them to make a decision and to write out the consequences, right? Like my son Noah, a few weeks ago, he was mad and he was in this thing and he went up to his room and he slammed the door, right? And, and his mother and I were not too happy about that. Please don't slam the door in the house. Pictures are falling off the wall. It's loud. We're all upset now, right? And, uh, and so we told him, do not slam your door again, right? Do not do that. And so, about five minutes later, he got mad again because he wanted something and we wouldn't give it to him. He goes up to his room, slams his door again. It's like, okay, all right, that's what you decided, right? So I did what any good dad would do. I went and got my screwdriver, and I removed the hinges off the door frame and removed the door completely. So the moral of the story is that's how you create open doors for your children, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> God wants us to grow up in wisdom. His desire is not that we live in fear of making the wrong choice, but that we grow up into mature, wise, discerning sons and daughters of God. John Ortberg said it like this. Very often, God's will for you will be, I want you to decide, because decision-making is an indispensable part of character formation. God is primarily in the character-forming business, not the circumstance-shaping business. He does shape our circumstances. We do pray effectively, but He loves who we're becoming. Because the image of God is right in here. And he loves as we're growing into the awareness of that. So with all that said, many times God is less concerned with the door you choose as he is with who you're becoming as you go through the door. <laughs> you have more permission, many times you have more permission in life to create a life with God than you give yourself credit for. And he gives us guardrails. We'll talk about just in a little second if we have time here. There are some guardrails. But I like when I see the early apostles living this out. In Luke chapter 1, there's just some language that's thrown in here that gets me thinking, what in the world? Like they had no idea what they were doing. Luke chapter 1, as Luke is starting his gospel off, he said, In as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word who have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. Okay? So he's considering writing a gospel of Jesus Christ, one of the four that we have. And the best he has is, it seemed good for me to write this down. Right? It's like, Luke, this is a gospel, man. You should be had, this should be more than it seemed good. It happened again in Acts chapter 2. There's this big meeting and they're composing this letter to writing, they're trying to figure out if the Gentiles are in or if they're, they're not in, alright? So for, for, for you and I here today in 2015 in Colorado, this is a big deal that's happening right here, alright? And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then we get to Acts 2.28. And they basically, they said it a few times in this passage, but say it very clear. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit, you know, to, to, to for you guys to be in, to send these people out, you know, for, to invite the Gentiles in. It's like, okay, we're talking about the fate of humankind, right? We're talking about all of the world. How many Gentiles are in the room right now? Exactly. Seemed good to us, you know. Okay, so you're going off of it seemed good to you. And and we read these guys that were making life-changing, life-altering decisions. It wasn't because of a scroll was passed down from heaven to them. It's because they're using their best judgment with the power of the Holy Spirit guiding them, and sometimes we don't always know exactly what it is the Lord is saying, but when we know His default is to go and to be a blessing and to disciple and to make change and to, and to transform the world with His goodness, then we know that it seems right sometimes is enough. Are you guys with me here? There's certain things in your, right that all you ha- in your life that all you have right now is that seems right. You have nothing else about that. I'm like, it, it kind of seems right to me. Now, again, when we look at the scripture in Proverbs, there's certain ways that seems right that leads to death, but God has given us guardrails. Now, I want to read to you just a couple of these, and then I'm going to invite somebody up to share a story, and we're going to come into land here. So God, I think a good picture for this is the road is open. We have an open road in front of us, and God lovingly, so we get to live in permission, he sets up guardrails on the side, all right? To protect our permission, he gives us guardrails. And these guardrails are what keep us safe as we're living in permission. Because it's not just a free-for-all. What I'm, I'm hoping this last five weeks as we're talking about stepping through doors, we understand that it's not just everybody doing what everybody wants. That's not what I'm saying. See, God in, in, in Scripture, He outlines ways to keep us safe. One of, us, one of them is to be surrounded by wise counselors and friends who know the Lord, who are godly. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So the, 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 the principle here is do not be isolated. If you're trying to navigate open doors, if you're trying to navigate life and you're alone and you have no wisdom around you, you have nobody that you've submitted yourself to, then I'm telling you, it's, going to probably, it's probably going to end badly, all right? Because you're driving on the road without guardrails. You guys hear me today. You need people in your life who love the Lord and who are growing in wisdom. The, you have to know the word of God. We have to be a people who are saturated in the word of God. You have to know what it says, right? And when we t- we're talking about open doors and, and seizing opportunities, we have to know what the word of God says both about, uh, uh, about sin that, we, that will corrupt our lives and wrong decision-making and foolishness. Proverbs talks all about this. And the New Testament is filled with all kinds of things that that talk about what the early believers faced and what they were walking through. We have to be a people saturated in the word of God. To live in permission, we have to have his word written on our hearts. And his word is Jesus. His word is written on our hearts. But as we come into him and as as we are familiar with the story of God through the generations, I'm telling you, what it does is it sets you up for power. It sets you up to live a life of permission to do great things. Are you guys with me on that? So wise counsel, word of God, and I already said it, but submit it to godly authority. You have people in your life, spiritual mothers and fathers. Does anybody in your life have permission to tell you no? If the answer to that question is no, I'm telling you, you're in for trouble. I am so grateful for the men and women in my life that they, could, I, they have permission in my life to be able to come to me and say, this, this part of what you're doing, this part of your heart, what, the attitude you just had, that's not okay. That is not God's heart for you right now. This thing that you're pursuing, I'm going to discourage you from that because I don't believe that's what God is doing. I'm telling you, when we are a people and we know who it is that God has given to us to build us up, to encourage us, and keep us safe, they are the guardrails. And when we have the guardrails, we can pick up speed on this open road, all right? We can pick up speed. So I want to share with you a story. I thought this would be a fun way to end. I'm going to invite somebody who uh, has recently had an open door set right in front of them and has been through the whole gamut of trying to discern if this is the Lord or not. Um, And it just so happens that she is one of the mothers of of this house. We love her so much. She makes coffee for you all the time. Joan Kepin, where are you? Are you around, Joan? Here she is. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, Joan is awesome. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about risk-taking and be people of risk. And afterwards, she's, like, kind of nervously chuckling, right? She says, I think I have a risk, you know? That's how you know it's a good risk, if there's a nervous chuckle that accompanies it, all right? Joan, would you tell us a little bit about your story?
0: Yes, Um, The challenge, risk, set before me is um, going on a mission trip this summer um, with my brother and his ministry out of Montrose, Colorado. He's an ex-YWAMer and um, has the same kind of program that he did for 20 years in YWAM. And um, I've always wanted to go with them on an outreach mission trip um, because I think it's awesome what God does. And I just always wanted to experience that this year they're going to a place in this world that I've always wanted to go because my brother was there for 14 years with YWAM. Um, My niece and nephew married um, Papua New Guinean people. And um, this summer they are going to Australia for two weeks, uh, boot camp, and then two weeks to um, Papua New Guinea, Australia. I mean, Papua New Guinea, uh, Port Moresby, where the um, South Pacific Games are.
1: Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) So, okay. So it's a picture. How long is this trip? Pardon me How long is the trip five weeks five weeks okay have Forever. you ever have you ever <laughs> taken a trip a missions trip that style?
0: No, I have had one mission trip that was ten days with my husband <laughs> uh,
1: so okay, so you were talking too about
0: mm-hmm. pretty
1: much for five weeks you're going to be sleeping on floors eating food that you don't eat normally, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, so yeah. so yeah. To yeah. Ta- talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's some things you're talking about as you were trying to <laughs> discern, like, do I really want to do this, right? I mean, yeah. can you talk yeah. a little bit about that?
0: Um, well, you know, I'm pretty typical American. I have life real easy, um, fairly simple. I have a good life. I'm blessed. Um, I sleep on the floor when I go camping on the ground, <laughs> but not for five weeks. And I don't exactly know what it's going to look like on this trip, where we'll be staying, but probably um, we are taking sleeping bags and air mattresses. And um, it, the my, my lifestyle will be challenged. Yeah. Okay? I know it will be challenged. Um My Bernie's not going with me. (laughs) I will be away from my husband for five weeks, which has never happened in 37 years. So there are just things that um, I've had to consider and try to figure out how I'm going to do it. And I haven't figured it out yet because I'm not going to figure it out until I walk through it.
1: Right, right. So tell me, how did you, what was the moment that you knew like, okay, Mm. I think the Lord wants me to do this?
0: Well, when my brother, he said they were considering going there, and I'd always said when he uh, went there on mission, I would go with him. Um, And the day that he told me their board had prayed and it was decided they were going to go this summer, I actually sensed from God right then that I was to go. Um, I didn't make the decision, but I knew, I knew that I was supposed to go. Um, And then I walked in and out. A belief and unbelief and all the scenarios of how can I do this? Um, am I really supposed to do this? Is this really you, God? Is this really you? And, yeah. and it took um, a lot of prayerful time and consideration um, with my husband, with Bernie, because we have a lot of plans in our lives in this year and huge plans that it. I didn't want it to interfere with those plans and change that. And um, God had to say, I can do it all, Joan. I can do it all.
1: So when, when do you leave for Papua New Guinea?
0: I leave um, June 17th, So very soon.
1: About a month away. Yeah, a month, about a month away. About mm-hmm. a month away. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to all of uh, everybody else that's kind of contemplating some pretty um, major risks right now?
0: Well, can I share something I found in my Bible?
1: Yeah, as long as you found it in your Bible, it's great. I,
0: <laughs> well, actually, it's... From May 15th, 2011, three, four years ago, Pastor Walt did the sermon. And it really spoke to me that day. And I found it yesterday and it brought me back. But it was a sermon on being a forerunner. And that Sunday, I remember just crying and crying and crying because <clears throat> I, it spoke to me. And it, he talked about moving into new things, that God wants to introduce us to new things, and that um, we have to be willing to be breakers. Um, and to press through opposition. Um, and it, involved, it involves the giants in the land. There are lots of giants that were trying to tell me that I couldn't do this or I shouldn't do this, and those were mostly my vain imaginations. So um, God has promises for me, and I know it is included in this, um, and that I want to look at what God's saying and not the circumstances of, that are trying to come against me.
1: Awesome. Come on. So good. Uh, right, Joan, uh, for people who might be interested in, in helping you, got, you got some loose ends, some serious loose yeah. ends you need to mm-hmm. tie up, right? Mm-hmm. Some financial needs, all this stuff to make this, this risk your reality. Um, wh- how can people get in contact with you and get um, to
0: you? I have letters. Okay. I have letters. So they can visit extend. you back at the coffee they bar, They can come right? by the coffee bar and I'll hand them a letter or visit as much as I can. Yeah. I'll have my um extra workers so that I can hang out and talk and share with you guys anything else. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So
1: go visit Joan at the coffee bar if you have some cash, give it to her. Let's send her to Papua New Guinea. That's awesome, Jen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anything else? Thanks. Awesome. <clears throat> hey, can we stand together today? And I just I just wanna read some permissions that you have right now in case it's not clear. And uh, in a moment here, we'll be closing our service. And before we do, we're going to bless a Mexico missions team that is leaving this week. Uh, But I just want to announce a few things over you. The road is open and the door is open. You have permission to go into all the world and make disciples. You have permission to be a great blessing to the least, the lost, and the lonely. You have permission to love deeply, give generously, and serve sacrificially. You have permission to be uncertain, uncertain yet filled with faith. You have permission to overcome your fear of change. You have permission to become a mature son and a wise daughter of God. You have permission to go through doors that lead to deeper experience of God's presence. You have permission to open up doors for others to experience genuine family. You have permission to live out of the well of creativity that God has put within you. You have permission to display the goodness of God in all you do. You have permission to move from where you are. You have permission to see open doors you never thought would be possible. You have permission to fail as you take big risks. And you have permission to be loved in all your coming, your going, deciding And living. And finally, you have permission to give your mother a big smooch on the cheek. (laughs) So, God, today we thank you that the door is open. We thank you for who you are and who we are in you, God. I thank you that we were not made for safe existence, God, that we are made for people to be on the move, sent by you to those you love, to announce your goodness, to seize doors of opportunity, God, to be bold risk-takers in your kingdom. And I, God, I thank you, Father, for those of us who need to take that step and walk to that door, God, that you would supply every ounce of courage and boldness required. And God, that this year would be a year of testimonies, Lord Jesus, and, and stories, Father, as your sons and daughters are breaking out of molds of safety and complacency and comfort, Lord God, and as we continue, as we continue to seize these doors and to be the people you called us to be. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, um... Real quick, stay standing because it's better to stand. All right, um, I'm going to uh, ask Lenny and uh, Mike and Tom and Jeremiah. There's a team co- going to Mexico this week. Would you guys come out? Can you welcome these guys up to the stage here? <clears throat> so these guys are ministering to the men of Rancho Seco Congregation, specifically to the older boys from Lirio dos Valles Children's Home and other men in the Guachachi area, right? And so as you're going, you're speaking about intimacy with God. You're speaking about identity in the, in the Lord, what it means to be a new creation. Pri- their primary scripture is Ephesians three, seventeen through 21. Now, um, let's do this as we normally do it. Can I have some of you guys come? We're going to lay hands on these guys. We're going to pray for them and send them out this week in power. So if you guys want to come up, that would be awesome. So, God, we just want to recognize these these men and the work that you've given them to do. We thank you, Father, for their obedience, um, that they would um, want to travel down to to Juarez and all across that region to be a blessing in your name, God. God, we thank you for the cost um, on their lives, Lord God, both financially, spiritually, God, emotionally, mentally, their families, all those things, God. And we pray as their church, their brothers and sisters, That they would be sent with power from on high, God. That you would give them the words to speak, God. That your word would be like fire in their bones, Lord Jesus. That you would give them unbelievable wisdom, and how to speak and how to minister, Lord God. We thank you for breakthrough for all these young men, Lord God, as they encounter your Father's heart, Lord Jesus. And we just pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit to accompany them, to go before them, to be behind them and all around them, Lord God. That they would not be making their own way, Lord God, but their way would be paved for them, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we bless them as our brothers. In this house, Lord God, we thank you for your name to be made great all across that region in Mexico. And it's in your name we pray together. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Yeah, you, guys, you can connect with those guys if you want any other information. Hey, we're, we're about out of here. We're going to have some words on the screen here. If you want prayer for anything, our ministry team is going to be up front. And uh, they would be happy to pray for you. We'll have some specific... Um, words for healing in just a minute. If you're new uh, with us Divine Life, if you're a guest, you can come back to the Connect Center. We'd love to just bombard you with all kinds of stuff. I'm just joking. We'll give you some stuff to look over. We'd love to meet you. The rest of you guys, happy Mother's Day. We'll see you around this week. Have a great, great day.